On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Dr. Hank Clark, a pharmacy resident at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center, who will describe his experiences in the residency so far, as well as opportunities for students out there graduating from PharmD programs. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by The Ohio State University Lashley Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and The Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Hank is currently, as I said, at PGY1 MS Health System Pharmacy and Administration Leadership resident at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. He is originally from Palm Springs, California, obtained his Bachelor of Science in Cell and Molecular Biology from Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. Hank then completed his Doctor of Pharmacy degree at UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy, where he was actively involved in multiple student organizations. He first became interested in leadership career paths through an administrative internship at the Johns Hopkins Health System, where he gained exposure to clinical management of pharmacy services. Hank's administrative interests include expansion of ambulatory services, optimizing health system operations using lean management tools, outpatient infusion services, supply chain, and revenue cycle. His career aspirations include serving as a pharmacy manager and hopefully as a future director of pharmacy at a large academic medical center. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. I, I, uh, I'm really excited about this interview. I, I'm excited about the podcast because the podcast really uh, provides graduate students like yourself and others interesting information about leadership, thoughtful information. And I, I believe that this podcast will provide uh, a lot of folks, particularly those PharmD students that are currently in school, uh, a lot of information about opportunities that might be out there for them. So uh, but before we get into that, tell us a little more about yourself that I may have not have covered in the intro. Yeah, um, so I think the, the intro did a pretty good job at kind of covering the groundwork. Um, I guess I can add in a little bit about myself and why I chose pharmacy. Um, so my first kind of pharmacy experience was actually at a small compounding pharmacy in my hometown. And uh, through this experience, I really saw that pharmacists really provide patients the best tools for success. And that was something that really interested me um, and kind of inspired me to pursue the pharmacy path as well as eventually the leadership path um, throughout pharmacy school. Oh, great, great. So um, obviously got your pharmacist license in July. Uh, How are the boards, by the way, for for the students who are listening Give us a little sense about the pharmacy boards. Hard, easy, not so hard, not so easy. 
They're definitely challenging, but I think a lot of the pharmacy school curriculums prepare you really well. Um, And I think the key to success is finding maybe the areas of pharmacy that you don't feel as comfortable in. So maybe you never had an oncology rotation or you kind of feel hesitant on your infectious disease knowledge and really kind of spending your time preparing for the boards, filling in your own knowledge gaps. So question I always ask, Hank, always ask this question, take them early or wait? Early, definitely. Ah, yes, that's the right answer. Excellent. That's why you're an Ohio State resident. (laughs) Yeah, I think I took mine in June, I want to say, very early June. And um, by the time I kind of walked on Ohio State for the first time, I think it was June 22nd, I had already received my license and was kind of ready to jump into orientation and get some hands-on training. So that's something I definitely recommend for all the students as well. Yeah. And and what I always tell the residents, and I know you guys heard me say this, is that you can't do anything without your pharmacy license. So graduate from pharmacy school, you get a residency, you know, you're matched to a residency, you're all excited. The most important thing you need to do is pass those boards because the board's provide you the license, which provides you the opportunity to work as a pharmacist, which provides you the training opportunity as a resident. So it all sort of cascades from there. So so to our students listening, take the boards early and identify your weak uh, spots and uh, focus on those weak spots. So we talked a little bit about why you wanted to become a pharmacist. And I actually had the same feelings as well, Hank, when I graduated. I wanted to help people. I felt that the pharmacist in my community gave the patients the best tools for success, uh, as you said. So let's take it one step further. You've got options, right? And there's various options in pharmacy. So why choose the pharmacy leadership route for you? Yeah, so I first learned about the leadership route through a course that we had in the didactic classwork at UNC. Um, So we have a class called On Becoming a Pharmacist, where they have pharmacists from a lot of different, um, a wide variety of realms in pharmacy talk about their career path. And one of them was Scott Savage, who was uh, actually an alumni of the program and the previous director of pharmacy at UNC uh, Medical Center. And he talked about his experiences in leadership and kind of making institutional changes to impact patient care on a larger scale. And that was something that really resonated with me um, from early on. And so ever since the first year of pharmacy school, I kind of had that interest and then sought out opportunities to um, kind of develop some of those interests. And so I eventually served as an administrative intern at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, where I got to kind of get hands-on experience with pharmacy leadership. And that really solidified that um, the administrative and leadership path was the way that I wanted to pursue. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, obviously we matched you as a resident. We're, you know, happy about that. We, we're, we're proud to get a, all the UNC graduates because they, the UNC program really is uh, influenced highly by Ohio State. Obviously, Dr. Scott Savage as the pharmacy director. Uh, Dr. Stephen Eckel obviously is a UNC graduate, but there's a close connection between UNC and our, and our program. So uh, we're glad to have matched you. Um, so pharmacy leadership. So what was your view of being a leader prior to the Johns Hopkins administrative experience? What did you think leaders did? I mean, obviously you got some information from Scott, but in your own mind, what did you see a leader? 
Yeah. So I think um, kind of in my early pharmacy career, I had issues differentiating management and leadership. And I kind of thought that pharmacy leaders just managed the day-to-day operations of clinical pharmacists, operational pharmacists, technicians, etc. And then kind of as I got into the internship and my fourth year rotations, I really learned about the leadership that the pharmacy department has and how serving as leader in pharmacy is about um, kind of advocating for pharmacy services and expanding pharmacy services and really allowing different pharmacists to practice um, at their highest potential. And so I think that was a big realization that I had um, in kind of learning what leadership was in the pharmacy world. Yeah. And the reason I asked that question is because if you want to go into a leadership residency, like a master's degree in health system, pharmacy administration and leadership, Understanding a little bit about what leadership is and how it differs from other forms of, I guess, working with people, right? Uh, managing people is more understanding their and meeting their daily needs. Leadership is more about uh, understanding the future needs of your people. And that's how I always have viewed it. And it is quite different. It also is, uh, I think, and I asked this question for a reason for students to understand that being a leader is not as easy as it looks. And so, for example, you know, if you work in a hospital pharmacy department and there is uh, a project going on and all, all the staff will see is this project's going from point A to point B to point C, you know, construction is a very typical example, Hank, but they don't know behind the scenes, there's lots and lots and lots of negotiation. There's lots and lots of work, lots and lots of communication, discussion, understanding, strategy, all those things that go together to build a project or you know, such as a construction project. So I think people's view of leadership has always been, oh, these guys just sit at the top and they sort of pontificate these rulings and people follow them. Well, that's really can't be farther from the truth, as, as you probably found out here at the medical center. And you probably found out from Dr. Savage and others at UNC. So, um, you know, kind of with that context, with that foundation, we, we, we know that leadership is different. Obviously, management can be learned by working as a pharmacist and maybe being promoted to an online supervisor. Leadership is learned in a variety of ways. It's learned through mentorship, but it's also learned through education. And that's where sort of we, the, the crux of our show, which is uh, leadership opportunities and other opportunities around leadership in various areas within health system pharmacy. And the route you chose was the master's degree. So why did you choose programs like Ohio State's? Yeah, so when I was looking at programs, um, I really looked at the core courses that were offered in the curriculum. Um, One thing I found that the master's looked very different um, across the programs in terms of actual didactic coursework that you're taking, as well as when you're taking it. Um, And so looking at kind of the program that we offer here, I really wanted some core finance skills, um, operations management skills, um, supply chain principles, and really to fill in the gaps of where I was as a learner so that when I um, kind of transition into an MS2 and a second year admin resident, I can already be applying these principles to um, institutional changes to impact the health system. Great. Yeah. And that's perfect. And that's what I, was that the exact message I wanted uh, to send to the audience is that 
these leadership residencies provide your leadership programs, the MS, and particularly the strength of our program, as you know, and I would emphasize to the to the folks out there listening, the strength is the combination of the residency and the learning and the academic learning. And, and we've developed a curriculum to intertwine and integrate the two. And we've also developed as as Hank knows, and as the audience may know, we developed a working professionals MS program where people with five, six, three, four, five, six years of experience can also become involved in our program, get the same experience, but then integrate that experience with their work experience. So these program leadership programs are always integrated with some sort of on the job experiential training, such as a uh, PTY2 residency, even a PTY1. Uh, you know, some folks that uh, in our working professionals program that are in a PGY1 or PGY2 program and are also enrolled in, in our program. So um, so that was a, that's a great reason. And I'm, again, we're glad that you came to our program. So, OK, it's what it's this time last year and you're thinking about residencies. You're obviously thinking about what programs and how did you prepare yourself for residency interviews and the whole residency process? Yeah, so ACHP has a lot of really good resources to prepare to prepare candidates for um, residency interviews, and so I think that was where I started. Uh, they have like a laundry list of questions to kind of prepare yourself, and I would just go through my rotation days and maybe look at one or two questions, and um, in the car as I'm driving to rotation, just think about um, maybe how would I approach this question or um, okay, what more information would I want to get in order to effectively answer this. And so it was small things along my fourth year like that that prepared me really well. Um, I also had conversations with a lot of mentors who would help me with um, interview preparation and mock interviews. And I feel like Hearing yourself talk in an interview and getting feedback on it is kind of the best way to prepare for um, the time when you actually walk in those doors. Great, great. That, that's great information. Were you, were you nervous when you were doing your interview? Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> Every single one. How did you deal with it? Did you uh, deep breathing? I don't know, meditation, CrossFit workout? What did you do? What did you do? Um. Yeah, so I I'm one of the, I'm one of the people who I have to work out to kind of like uh, relieve my stress, and so I would find myself like I would fly to whichever program I was interviewing at the day before, and a lot of the times I would use the hotel gyms like the night before and work out and make sure that I was still getting kind of a healthy lifestyle in. Um, because I can kind of feel myself. And if I don't work out for a couple weeks, I just feel like a little more tension. And so I, I think that finding a way to still have your like de-stress outlets throughout the residency interview process is something that will help you tremendously. Yes. Yeah, so for everybody in the audience, those students do like five burpees or 10 burpees in the morning <laughs> before you go. Right. Yeah. I, uh, of course, everybody knows that I do CrossFit and a little bit of a fitness fanatic and, uh, I, I do the same thing, Hank. I mean, you know, when I have something stressful happening here, I always make sure, I always make sure that I, I do a you know good workout. I work out four to five times a week, but I make sure that if I have something going on like the next day, then I make sure that I have a hard workout the night before because then, then then I can sleep better and feel more relaxed and refreshed for the next day. So, um, so the you know the so so that that advice is really good. What what would you say is like one of the most difficult interview questions you got? 
Um, oh, that's a really good question. I, yeah, I think one, one program asked me how I like to be managed. And that was a question that I had just not prepared for at all. Um, and I truly like did not know the answer off the top of my head. I was like, taking a step back and really reflecting, like, how do I like to be managed? And so I think that was a, a question that I really thought about during the interview and after uh, thought about maybe what my answer would have been if I had some more time to prepare for it. And so that was kind of a question that definitely threw me off. Yeah. Oh, good. So how, how would you answer that question now? Um, so my answer originally was that I like um, proactive communication, like clear deadlines uh-huh. before something was coming up. And uh, the prompty actually had mentioned like, well, in residency, you have a lot of things come up at the last minute. And like, how would you manage that? Um, and my answer was that I would just maintain proactive communication throughout everything. And if I were for some reason, not able to perform a task, just be able to communicate uh, maybe when I would get that done. And so that was kind of the approach that I had in answering the question. Oh, okay. Um, so to all the, the folks out there, if think about that question, okay? Think about if you asked <laughs> that question, how would you answer the question? Because it's really, this is why these podcasts are so good for me because I can, it brings up, brings up interesting information that I can ask the guests like yourself and you're fresh off the, you know, fresh off the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is obviously health system pharmacy, uh, master's degrees, uh, other uh, comments, other types of degrees that I'd like you to comment on. Uh, what about the MBA degree, the MHA, the MPH? What are your thoughts about that? Why did you not choose those? And, and why did your classmates maybe go the MBA route versus, versus the MS route? Yeah, so... Um... Kind of through the process, I was weighing the pros and cons of each type of degree, and I ultimately found that in my short-term and long-term career paths, I would like to have a very pharmacy-focused leadership position, and whether that be a manager um, right out of residency into kind of a director of pharmacy, eventually that a strong foundation in pharmacy knowledge would be really valuable to me. Um, I think that a lot of people go the MBA, MHA route thinking that they have flexibility of transitioning into um, maybe industry or uh, outside of the pharmacy realm within uh, hospital leadership. But I honestly looked at the alumni of the programs that I was interviewing at, and I looked at what their alumni were doing. And Oh, good. Good. That's a great idea. Yeah, if a program is advertising like the flexibility of having like an MBA and MHA because you can transition into pharmaceutical industry and then none of their alumni were doing that, then that was kind of like a red flag in my book. And I also looked at some of these programs with MS degrees that did have alumni that were really transitioning outside of maybe traditional health system pharmacy into more um, executive leadership roles and pharmaceutical industry that did have that MS degree. And so I ultimately decided that having a strong framework in pharmacy is kind of what I wanted to get out of residency. Yeah, good. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's great. The uh, so um, you know I've had some people talk to me about that, and they come and they say they want to get an MBA because they want to be able to run a department of pharmacy because they think a department of pharmacy is more of a business. But just to clarify things with uh, the audience, uh, 
running a, a health system pharmacy requires all the skills you get as an MS resident and the MS program, which is obviously your baseline clinical skills from your PGY1 uh, and your leadership, and the, but management and operational skills that you get as well in your PGY1 and your PGY2. So it's not just running a business, you know, what's the inventory, what's the drug cost, et cetera. So anyhow, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's a different, a different view of what people think they're going to get from an MBA. And, and I think that, I think that when I talk to students, I'm always thinking about, okay, you know, what, what, what do you want to do? And, you know, pharmacy is a business, but it's actually a clinical business. Yeah, I was just going to add that um, I have a couple friends who are doing uh, the PharmD MBA program at UNC. And one thing that they have told me is a lot of what you learn in kind of the MBA or MHA program, uh, or the benefits of the program is not what you learn about who you can network with along the way. And that was something that just reiterated the importance of kind of going to a larger program with one of the uh, bigger alumni networks and really kind of utilizing that network to my advantage. Yes, and that's a key. And that's a key uh, learning, like I said, for all the residents on this call and all the students is that wherever you go for your residency or training, use your network, use the alumni, use the people that have graduated from that program. Because I and I always tell people this story: if next time we have a mid year that we can attend in person, <laughs> which may be whenever that is, probably <laughs> two or three years, um, if you go up to an Ohio State graduate and say, "Hey, I'm I'm Hank Clark. I'm a current." PGY2 uh, MS resident, I mean, the person's not going to walk away from you, right? They're going to say, oh, it's so nice to meet you, and ask you a little bit about yourself, et cetera. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's a great network. I always talk to students about what their plan B is, because as you know, only about two-thirds of students get into residencies. So what was Hank Clark's plan B? Yeah, so my plan B was um, actually... During my time at UNC, I served as a student body president and worked really closely uh, with our interim dean. And he was working on starting up a nonprofit in pharmacy and um, was looking at hiring people for this job or to kind of expand this business. And so in talking with him, it was kind of always a running joke that I would work for his nonprofit one day. And so if I were to not get a residency, I think I would probably try to get into that space, which is very non-traditional, and then eventually end up reapplying to the Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership route. Good. So then, um, how important are grades to getting a residency? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I am um, someone who... I really focused on my grades in pharmacy school and kind of reflectively looking back, probably didn't need to stress about some of the smaller things that I did along the way. I think that was what I was getting to, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think if I were to redo pharmacy school again, I would probably focus more on really mastering the content of what you're learning in the classes mm-hmm. and not stressing on like the nitty gritty details that you think are going to appear on a quiz. Um, yeah. And so just really focus on getting a strong foundation in pharmacy is the most important part in the didactic curriculums. So what was really interesting is that I, um, so my story is I got a bachelor's degree in 1980, which is obviously a very long time ago. In 1982, I had the master's degree. At that time, the PharmD degree was not uh, in any way, shape, or form uh, popular or prominent. And uh, 
and then, uh, believe it or not, then 25 years, two, five, 25 years later, I went back and got the uh, PharmD degree from Ohio State. And uh, it was a very difficult program. It was a lot of, it was all, it was home, obviously online, but it was extremely difficult, extremely rigorous, lots of work. And trust me, my Ohio State PharmD degree, I earned every single bit of it. Um, but I found, though, that my personal maturity and my clinical knowledge benefited me tremendously in the program. So it was almost like, you know, sometimes I almost think students should wait, work a little bit, and then go to these advanced degree programs. But I know life gets in the way, right? You know, you get married, houses, girlfriends, whatever, and uh, boyfriends, whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of not, you're not that you're boxed in, but you've got other priorities. So uh, I think, you know, ideally, you know, working a little bit and then applying would be ideal because I think it would make for a better experience. But, uh, but that's just not practical. Uh, and, and I, you know, obviously, people also, I mean, they, they, they want to get their training and they want to get going in their career. So it's, it's you know, certainly fine to just go right into it, but I just found a value in me waiting all those years to complete the degree. So it was fun, though. It was fun. I, had a, I met a lot of really nice people. I made a lot of really good friendships uh, when I did it, and I, I'm proud of, the, uh, proud of the Ohio State University and the degree, obviously. This may be a tangent, but kind of yeah. um, what you had said inspired me. Uh, to kind of self-reflect on my pharmacy school curriculum. And I think that the most important kind of experience that I had during pharmacy school was really work experience. Um, I worked okay. Okay. I worked in a retail pharmacy for three years. Um, and I think that having hands-on experience throughout pharmacy school to kind of help you really develop your patient care skills, but also um, look at the different lessons that you learn in actual practice and be able to apply them on a daily basis uh, was probably one of the most invaluable experiences that I had. Um, so kind of your conversation about um, getting work experience before the master's um, inspired me to kind of. I think everybody thinking about everybody's different, right? And the only though the risk you take in waiting, obviously, is what we talked about. But you also, I think, in some cases, uh, you know, maybe it, the personal maturity, the work, you know, maybe maybe the way to best prepare for these types of residencies. Um, any other thoughts about any other pathways that your colleagues took uh, at UNC? Like someone in the industry, I'm assuming, obviously community pharmacy, a majority of them. Any other pathways that were different and unique? Um, trying to think now. I think a lot of my classmates did the clinical residency route. Um, a lot did industry-focused fellowships. Uh, we had a few go into the directly into community route, um, but I think that was the the majority of okay. the career paths that my classmates took. Well, I know that UNC has traditionally had a very high residency match rate. The other thing that's important for students listening to this podcast is that the pharmacy school you go to has a big influence on your viability in getting a residency. So some of the more traditional, well, sort of well-developed schools, 
there's just a better chance because of reputation and because of just the, 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 the rigor of the pharmacy curriculum. So that's also another choice for you know, another reason for choosing a pharmacy school that has a national reputation is the ability to get a residency as well. Hank, uh, you know, I always ask this question, um, you know, what do you, what do you do in your spare time? What are, what, what are there things that you're reading uh, that are inspiring you that may be outside of pharmacy, even in pharmacy? Uh, just give us a few examples of sort of things you do or things you've read. Yeah. So kind of in my free time, um, like I mentioned, I, I usually work out uh, at least probably three to four times a week. And that's something that um, is kind of a de-stressor for me. I really like reading leadership books. I read quite a few of them throughout my fourth year in pharmacy school. Um, and as a leadership team, we're kind of currently reading uh, Executive Presence with the other MS residents. Um, one leadership book that I kind of want to speak about in particular was the first one that I read, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like this book really allowed me to start thinking about leadership on a higher level. And it's something that I would recommend to any students interested in the HSPAL path or kind of any type of leadership path to really develop a sense of what leadership means to you. Um, so that's something I would okay. definitely recommend. Good. That's great. That sounds like a great read. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I try to, to use those habits <laughs> if I can. And, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes, you know, because you get stuck in old habits yeah. and trying to change them to be new habits may be a problem. you have any advice for uh, your resident, your colleagues out there in terms of how to survive a residency? Yeah, I think... Um... Finding ways to de-stress is really important um, and kind of having your own like personal hard stops in terms of like, oh, well, like I have to go to the gym at least three times a week or like I have to go see my family for once a week. Whatever kind of your personal goal is or something that makes you personally accomplished, I don't lose that throughout residency. Um, that's kind of something that is really important to me and something that I have maintained throughout my time thus far. Great. That's, that's, that is really super good advice. And as we, you know, gel together as a leadership team in a residency class here, Hank, you'll be doing CrossFit workouts. So <laughs> that'll all work out. <laughs> Sounds good. So when I, when I had Andre Fernandez, one of our residents, I don't mean to be mentioning people specifically on this podcast, but one of my residents, Andre Fernandez, who currently works for us, he and I had a, um, a group of workouts that we would do every day together. And then we would talk about them. It was sort of a way that commonly bonded us during the pandemic. And uh, we've got 20 or so odd workouts that Andre has uh, collated. And so uh, I may end up just resurrecting those uh, when you're on rotation with me. So sounds good. It's, it's been really, really good to talk to you. I think uh, the students and even the alumni listening will get a really good sense of who you are and why you chose the residency and what opportunities are out there. So thank you again for being on the show and, and good luck in your residency as you finish up here in the spring semester, go into the summer and into your administrative rotations, and then obviously on to your first job. So good luck and thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues 
and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.